Hi and welcome to the We Are Zion Sermon Podcast. We are a local church based here in Chennai, India. We are so glad you are here and our hope is that this will encourage, inspire and instill fresh faith in you. We have Christine Gershom sharing God's word with us today. She encourages us to inject the element of awe into our everyday ordinary faith to make it extraordinary. She also shares ways in which we can transform an awful faith into an awful faith that pleases God while transforming us and others. Hi church, it's my joy and privilege to bring the word of God to you today. Even as we are heading into the last part of the year, we're going to enter Advent soon. And um, as I was just preparing for this, you know, I just um, felt that we need to be dwelling a little bit on what the condition of our faith is. I don't know about you, but for me, I look forward to the last two months of the year. You know, I prepare for Christmas for almost two months. I love, um, you know, preparing the house, cooking and inviting people home. And, you know, that's what it kind of re- I revolve. That's what my life revolves around at that time. But some of you might totally um, be numb during this time. Maybe some of you are dreading the next two months. Uh, maybe some of you um, pretend that, you know, it doesn't affect you at all. Whatever your feelings are, wherever you are at. I believe that God has a word for us today because as we step into the month of December, as we step into the celebration of Advent, um, I believe that God has a word for us regarding our faith. It's very easy after an entire year, you know, going through 10 months of the year, our faith sometimes just, um, it's been through the ringer and it feels old, it feels jaded, it feels tired. But I believe God wants to revive our faith, not just for the last two months, but for the next year as it were. And so I want to encourage us that, you know, wherever you're at today, whatever your thoughts are about the next few weeks, that today you will uh, be determined to allow God to refresh your faith, to revive your faith. And today I specifically want to talk about how our faith moves from ordinary to extraordinary because of the addition of a very simple element. And that element is awe. And when I talk about awe, you probably heard about it in uh, different contexts. You know, they talk about a shock and awe aspect where certain things just kind of completely um, surprise you with, with its magnitude or magnificence. Um, but I'm talking about uh, an awe which really signifies reverential respect and wonder and amazement. Um, there's a behavioral scientist who I follow um, and her name is Michelle Lani. And this is what she has found. She found that awe increases um, generous decision making and even improves your cognitive abilities. She's also said that it makes us more responsive to good conversations and even good arguments. Scientists in general have found that there's a link between experiences of awesomeness with a substantial decrease in depression. So now science has proved it. They've proved that we need the element of awe in our lives. But as followers of Christ, we have this beautiful person that we can actually direct that awe towards. There is someone who is magnificent and, and awesome in every sense of the word. And therefore, awe should come naturally to us. But we're living in a time when, you know, we've become so uh, disinterested. We are not awed by anything. You know, I remember as a child when I would go up to the hills for holidays, um, just looking around at the foggy mountains, at at the height at which we were at, um, would elicit awe from me and my brother. But today when we take our children on those trips, um, they don't find anything awesome. In fact, they find things like a new movie being released awesome. They find, um, you know, new gadgets that have been released awesome. We've used the word awesome for everything other than God. And today I want us to come back to where we are at. 
as followers of Jesus, we have this amazing faith that we have because of the person that we follow. He is so awe-inspiring that our faith needs to be strengthened. You might ask me, what is so awesome about the Christian faith? What is it about this faith that needs me to feel awe? Why, do you, why are you emphasizing on awe? Think about it. Think about it, that the God who created you and me created the entire world with just his words. That the way to the, to the, the entire, the God of the universe was just through the, the sacrifice of one man. Jesus, God in the flesh, got us that, that entry to the, the God of all gods, the Lord of all lords, the God of the universe. Picture this, Jesus in coming to earth fulfilled more than 55 prophecies. It's not possible that one man fulfilled that many prophecies from a mathematical perspective, but he did. Think about it that it's so easy to have a conversation with God. We don't need to do sacrifices or rituals or traditions. He's just a conversation away, a whisper away. Picture this, that, you know, he uses us to bless others. The way he's blessed us, he uses us to bless others. All of this, all of this about the Christian faith should inspire or should bring us to our knees with, with this, you know, reverential fear of God. But so often we've just gotten so dullened. We're not feeling awe. We, we worship God because we have to. We come before him, you know, saying, you know what, I need to do this. But today... Can I ask you that you will look at God one more time, but this time with awe. So today I want us to look at Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to be dwelling in the book of Hebrews a bit. We're looking at Hebrews chapter 12 verses 28 to 29. And this is what it says. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude and offer to God pleasing service and acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is indeed a consuming fire. There's that word again, awe. And what it's saying here is that each one of us, because of salvation, because of accepting Jesus into our lives, we have now inherited an unshakable kingdom. And that is in itself very reassuring because we live in a world that is shaking constantly. Earthquakes, famines, floods, pandemic, all kinds of things. Rape, abuse, murder, kidnapping, trafficking, you name it. The earth is literally being shaken. And today we're saying through the, this book, what we see is that we have received a kingdom which is unshakable. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Each of you need to be saying thank you to God that we have inherited this kingdom that will not be shaken. It's a kingdom of God where the king is Jesus himself. And what does he say? Because of that, because of what we've inherited, we must show gratitude to our God who is a consuming fire. The God of the Old Testament is still the God of today. He is not diminished in his holiness. He is not diminished in his power. He's not diminished in his might. He's still the same God. And he says that we show gratitude by offering pleasing service with our very bodies, with everything we have, surrendering our lives to him and worshiping with reverent awe. We live in a time when worship has become easy. We can just click YouTube we play a worship video and we lie in bed and we just enjoy it. What does reverent awe look like? Is our faith fueled by reverent awe? That's what I want to ask you. And so today I titled my uh, message, um, Is Your Faith Awful or Is Your Faith Awe-Filled? Okay, what does an awful faith look like? Before I get into what an awe-filled faith looks like, what does an awful faith look like? I don't know about you, but 
there have been many times when my faith had, you know, these highs and lows of a sine curve. It's a, you hear some good news and you're like, just, you know, your faith is reinstated in God. You're like, wow, God, you're amazing. But then when something bad happens, I'm like, God, where are you? Why did you allow it? God, are you even watching this? Doubting him again and again. When I've seen for myself with my own eyes, I've experienced how faithful he is. And yet doubting him again and again, doubting his heart, doubting his motives. That qualifies as awful faith. Sometimes we deny the power of Jesus. We deny the power of his shed blood. We deny the power of the Holy Spirit who's at work in us. Maybe we deny Jesus himself and say, you know what? I'm comfortable with God the Father, but you know, this whole thing of Jesus, it's a bit iffy for me. Awful faith. Jesus is God. Maybe we have loved and worshipped the created rather than the creator. You know, sometimes we can get so caught up in our environment and the environmental issues around us that we forget there is a God who created the environment. Maybe we, we don't seek God's face. Maybe we don't seek God's will for our life. Instead, we look at him as a genie. You know, I just rub the lamp, he comes out and then I say, you know what, Lord, I need that promotion. Please give it to me. Lord, I need healing. Come on, you can do it. Awful faith. But the good thing is this, all of us have those moments when our faith is plain awful. But the good news is this, that it's never too late to shift that around and say, you know what, Lord, I'm just going to choose to look at you in your might. I don't understand you. I'm not meant to understand you. I'm meant to worship you. I'm so glad. I don't know about you, but aren't you glad that we have a God we don't fully understand? How can I worship someone who I totally figured out, who I've totally figured out, who I totally understand? That's not possible. I cannot worship him. I'm glad I have a God who's beyond my understanding, beyond my scope of, of even comprehending. That's the God we serve. And therefore, that has to inspire awe. So if you say, you know what, I come under the doubtful category. I come under the thing where, you know, I need to do such and such and such to earn salvation. I don't think faith in Jesus is enough. It seems too less. It's okay. If our faith looks awful, it's okay. We've still got hope. Today, I want to encourage us that we will come back and make our ordinary, simple, run-of-the-mill faith extraordinary by adding in that element of awe. How do we do that? How do we do that? You know, why I'm even stressing on this is I've noticed over the years of ministering in a church or one-on-one -on -one with people that if you enter the Advent season without awe, you could miss the purpose of the Advent season. It's not about Christmas trees. It's not about Santa. It's not even about the gifts. It's really about Jesus. It's about Emmanuel, God with us. And if you and I don't marvel at the virgin birth, if you and I don't find that awesomeness of God becoming flesh, we miss the point. If I get into the next season without awe, my faith will finish up this year dry. It will finish up useless, to be honest. And so I want to encourage each of you, will you step into this journey with me for the next 20 minutes or so of getting our faith rehydrated, putting fresh life into it and saying, you know what, God, I'm just going to be awed by you because you are worthy of that awe. Okay, so let's do that. Let's find out how we can make our ordinary faith an awe-filled faith. We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 25. This is what it says, the full assurance of faith. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, 
Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Okay, so when you look at this passage, I get three things, three ways in which we can make our ordinary faith, maybe our run-of-the-mill basic faith, extraordinary. How do we make our faith, faith which is awe-filled? First thing is we need to draw nearer to God. You know, um, our third our third son, he's, he's very cute. He does this very interesting thing with all of us. He does it with whoever he's close to. Some of you in church would have noticed this. Um, if he likes someone, if he, he wants to warm up to you, he'll first sit down beside you on the chair right next to you. And within five minutes, he would have leaned on you. And then gradually, he put one leg on you. And then he'll link his arm with yours. He'll put his head on you. And before you know it, he's climbed into your lap. And this will take a whole of about 15 minutes. He does it with his, my husband, with me, with his uncles, with his aunt, with his grandparents. He does it with a lot of people. Purely because he enjoys getting close to people. He loves sitting on their laps, listening to them talk, asking them questions, learning about them. And I was just thinking about what he does, you know, and I realized that each of us, we don't have to be so sneaky with God. We just need to get closer to him because have you noticed that when we get close to someone, we see them as they are. We see their expressions, their micro expressions. We can hear the tone of their voice. We can feel their breath. We can actually see every emotion crossing their eyes and their, their mouth. And the beauty of this is, is this. When you draw nearer to God, you see the magnificence that is God. It's hard not to feel awed by a God that you're close to. You know, so often in this time and age that we live in, we think we are spending time with God because, well, you know, I read that verse you know, on that app, I just read that verse, it ministered to me of that, that prophetic voice for this generation. They spoke that one thing and that made sense to me and carried me through the week. But can I urge you that, you know, we go one step further, we go deeper. Will you draw nearer to him? And I know you probably ask me, how can I draw nearer to this God who in the previous chapter was just being described as an all consuming fire? How do I draw near to that? Well, the beauty is this, it's because of the finished work of Jesus that you and I have access to this all-consuming fire who is our God. He is such a, a holy God that on our own we would never have access to him. Thanks be to God for Jesus who earned us that space, who got us bold access to the Father. So today you and I can actually draw near to him in the name of Jesus without fear. Without reservation, no strings attached. I can just whisper and say, Lord, I just need you. Today, he's just a heartbeat away. And you know, the closer you draw to God, the closer you come, you will start being able to discern his voice amidst all the other voices. You will start to feel his heart for people because you're so close to his heart. You know, you will feel his intentions for you. You will know that when you do something, it hurt his heart. When you do, did something that pleased him, you'll feel his smile upon your life. That is the beauty of drawing near to God. You and I, are we drawing near to God? 
You know, we live in a time where we use this word called self-care. We are caring for ourselves. We're caring for our families. We're so intent on building our homes. But can I ask you before you do all that, will you first draw near to God? Because he wants to re-inject awe into your life. The closer you get to him, the greater he is, the more awesome he is. And then your faith just gets fired up because you know, hey, you know, this God is truly awesome. Yes, I don't understand what's happening around me, but he is still worthy of my honor. He's worthy of respect. He's worthy of all my worship. That's the first important thing that we will draw near to him. It says draw near with a sincere heart and a full assurance of faith. You can draw near knowing that none of your sins will stand in the gap of you reaching the Father. Once you've repented, once you've allowed Jesus in, you are cleansed. You are cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. The Holy Spirit on a daily basis is refining you. He's sanctifying you. And therefore, you have access. Draw near to Him. What's holding you back? What's holding you back from drawing near to God? I want to encourage you, not just for the next one and a half months, but can you make it a lifestyle to draw near to Him? He's waiting for you. He just wants to come near you. He wants to hold you in his embrace. Would you take the time to draw near to him? The second important thing is that we will hold tighter to God's promises. The first thing is we will draw nearer to God. The second thing is that we will hold tighter to God's promises. It says over here in Hebrews 10, 23 in the Amplified, I love what it says. It says, let us seize and hold tight the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is reliable and trustworthy and faithful to his word. And so you might ask me, why do I have to hold on to this hope? Why do I have to hold on to the promises given? There's just one reason why. Because the one who promised is faithful. He doesn't lie. He doesn't want to poke fun at us. He doesn't want to play practical jokes on us. He is faithful to his word. And therefore, if he has made a promise, it stands, it's sealed, it will get done. If you've been on a roller coaster, I, I, I'm not a big fan of roller coasters, but my husband and children love them. And so the one common thing about all these, you know, very crazy roller coasters is they have this um, seat and it has a lock. So the minute you sit in the seat, the lock will come down and rest on you and basically clamp you into place so you can't move. So no matter how crazy the ride gets, you're stuck in your seat. You're fixed there. You're not going to get thrown out. Um, you know, you barely, your head barely moves. You're just fixed in. And I believe that the promises of God do that for us. They keep us anchored in our seat. Even when life hits us like a gale force wind, even when the most ridiculous things happen to us, the promises of God are meant to keep us there, meant to hold us. It's meant to give us that stability in a world that is completely shifting. But my question to you is, Today is this, the roller coaster holds you down, right? That the seat holds you down. Just as the promises of God hold you down. But are you holding on to the promises of God? That's important. The promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus. When he gives you a promise and you claim it, when you hold on to it, even when things are not looking like they're going as planned, when you hold on to the promises of God, there's something deep that happens. Because then you realize that the one who has promised is truly faithful. It will come to pass, not maybe not in your time and mine, but it will come to pass. 
the beauty of this whole thing is it says this interesting um, verb. It says without wa wavering. Wavering is like a human condition. We waver on everything. You know, we're picking our a Christmas outfit and we're like, you know what, I don't know whether to get the blue or the green. We waver in our decisions when it comes to relationships. We waver in our decision of what to order for dinner. Wavering is a human condition. But he says that you would hold tightly to this, the confession of your hope. What is the promise that God has given you? Have you forgotten about it in the last few months? Have you just given into worry, into fretting, into anxiety? Can I ask that you would once again, because that promise is holding you in place. It will not let you go, but it requires that you hold tightly to it without wavering, that you don't let go, that you believe the one who promised is faithful. Are you awestruck with the promise keeper? Because his promises are awesome. I have seen time and time again in my life, the promises of God, I sometimes misread what God is speaking to me. But eventually in time, when the promise unfolds, when God does his work, I begin to understand that, oh my goodness. You know, I looked at it in this one dimensional view, but God was looking at it in so many ways. And when he fulfills his word, it's truly awesome. So can I ask you today that you would hold tighter to God's promises because the promises of God are so beautiful. They are meant to encourage us, meant to keep us grounded. You know, hope so many times in the New Testament is likened to an anchor. An anchor prevents a ship from drifting. And today you and I, we have tons of reasons why we would drift, why we would go off course. But when you have God's word at the center of your life, when you're believing the promise keeper that he is faithful, I can assure you that you will stay on track. You will stay on course. There's no chance for wavering. There's no chance for drifting. And the third thing, we looked at how we need to draw nearer to God. We need to hold tighter to his promises. And the third thing is that we will serve others better. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24. It says, discover creative ways to encourage others and to motivate them towards acts of compassion, doing beautiful works as expressions of love. What a beautiful translation, what the Passion Translation says, that you will find creative ways, discover creative ways to encourage others and to motivate them towards acts of compassion. That sounds so beautiful. And But the, the sad thing is so often we want to do good works on our terms. We sometimes want to do good works by ourselves. We're afraid to collaborate. We're afraid to stick our neck out because we don't know who's going to cheat us. We don't know who's going to trouble us, who's going to milk us. We don't know any of that. But the beautiful thing is he's talking about the body of Christ. He's talking about other believers. And he's saying, what are you guys going to do? Don't give up meeting together. Meet, encourage each other to do good works. So many times we do good, you know, before we are saved, before we know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we do good things just because we, we you know, we feel like we're helping someone else, we're empowering someone else. But once we, we know Jesus, the way we do good works has to shift. And what do I mean by that? When the love you show, you know, once you know Jesus as your Lord, the love that you have actually comes because you've experienced the love of Christ in your heart. The love that you show is so genuine. The compassion that you show, because you have received the compassion of God, the forgiveness of God, the compassion you now show is 100% genuine. It's not put on. It's not for show. 
it's beautiful because when our encouragement towards others comes from a deep place of having received encouragement from the Lord and His people, our encouragement towards others becomes powerful. It's not ordinary. The service we do towards others when Jesus is in our lives is completely different. I was reading about a couple of interesting um, people in, in the United Kingdom who during the COVID pandemic from 2019 to 2021 have been doing some incredible works in their communities. And these are small little uh, villages and towns in the north of Britain. And a couple of these church people are doing some beautiful work. There's this family there, uh, a mother, father and three young children. What they do is they notice that the people during the pandemic, the elderly couldn't go to the market and pick up fruits and vegetables. So what they did was they would go to the market, buy it in bulk, come and set up a stall just outside their yard. And then they would give the fruits and vegetables to any neighbor who didn't have any. There was another pastor who, because no one was coming into church, took up work in a local food drive. And he would take, um, and in the food drive, basically it was attached to a kitchen. And so when people in the village would call in an order for a pizza or, you know, spaghetti or whatever, he would do the delivery. And when he delivered it, he would stand in their driveway and speak to them for about 15 minutes just to encourage them. There was another pastor who found that a lot of his congregants were sick and they were in ICUs and their families were at home and they were, you know, so worried without being able to see their families, family members. And so what he did, what he would wear the entire surgical gown and the masks and everything. And he would take letters from the relatives at home, go into the ICU, stand beside their beds and read the emails out to them. I don't know, when I was reading all of this, I was so touched because that is what it looks like to encourage each other to do creative good works. Things that are necessary in this time. To be so sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And why do I say that serving others better will trigger your awe? Because you will find that the way God uses you to bless someone else will be amazing. There have been times when someone just made me a bookmark and gifted it to me. And on the bookmark would have been a promise that God spoke to me in that season. And it will be a confirmation of it. And I know that God was just in his sweet way saying, hey, I'm working. There have been times when I've gifted something small and insignificant almost to someone. And they would call me and say, you won't believe it. But I wanted that very thing. And that's what you dropped off. So I want to ask you, when you do good for others, is it coming from a place of knowing Jesus so deeply? Because when you've drawn close to him, you know his heart for people. You're able to hear his heartbeat. You know what warms his heart. You know what um, gets him all excited. And so you start doing the things that are on his heart. And you'll find that it's amazing of how God is using you to bless others. And that will just inspire your faith. That will just fuel your faith. So I want to ask you, how close are you to God? Have you drawn nearer to him? It's an everyday thing. It's not a one-off thing. It's not, okay, for the month of November, I'm going to draw close to him on November, you know, 28th. It's not that. It's a daily thing. It's a daily, um, it's almost like you just taking time off to sit with your heavenly father and talk with him. Sometimes it's just saying, I thank you so much, God. I'm, I'm grateful for being alive. Maybe it's just sometimes just sitting there and letting yourself be still and quiet. Have you drawn closer to him? The next thing is, have you held on tightly to his promises? Maybe you've already been holding tight to some promises, but God is saying, don't let go. Don't let go. 
I've got you. I have something planned because I am faithful, he says. And thirdly, will you allow yourself to serve others better? Maybe you've already been serving people and maybe you feel I'm tired because it, it's thankless. No one thanks me. No one blesses me for serving them. But can I say this? That God is doing something in you while you serve others. And he wants to just fire up your faith today. Just to recap, we, each of us, our ordinary faith becomes extraordinary when we attach the element of awe. Our faith may look awful right now. Maybe you're feeling a bit guilty because you just, you've stopped reading the word. You don't want any more of God because nothing you've been asking for has been coming through. Maybe you've been hitting a wall again and again and you're tired and you say, Lord, I can't see you. I can't hear you. You're probably not there. Can I ask you that you would draw near one more time? Ask him, Lord, give me a word for me so that I can hold tightly to it and see you come through. And will you not do, stop doing good for others? Because in doing that, your faith will be strengthened. All will rise up one more time. Even as we close, I just want to ask you that you will invite God in and say, Lord, I'm sorry that I have stopped feeling awe for you. I'm sorry that when I worship you, I'm content to just lay there still and just not care. I'm sorry, Lord. Heavenly Father, you are the creator of the heavens and the earth. Oh Lord, nothing that happens on earth is outside of the realm of your authority. We thank you that everything that is happening right now, you are watching and you care for and you are having it under control. We thank you that, Lord, we don't know what is happening. We thank you that we don't understand because we cannot even fathom these things. But Lord, right now, we surrender our lives to you. We surrender our old ideas of God to you. We surrender our notions and our preconceived ideas to you. And I pray that, Lord, each of us, each of us will see you, God, with eyes of awe. That we'll see you as the God with whom nothing is impossible. We'll see you as the God who goes before us and breaks down mountains and barriers. The God who is with us at all times. A God who is mighty in every way. We love you. We thank you and we glorify you. I pray that each person who's watching this right now will find, Lord, it comfortable to once again come boldly through to the throne of grace. I pray if anyone has been struggling with, Lord, with a separation where they're not able to come to you, Father, we break that down in Jesus' name. I pray, oh Father, if anyone has looked at you through the, through the lens of their earthly fathers, that that would be broken in Jesus' name. That they will come to you, perfect Father, good Father, as they are, and they will find healing, they will find redemption, they will find restoration at your feet. Lord, I pray that for those who have held on to a promise for so long, I pray that you will bring it to completion. That, Lord, you will show them how powerfully awesome you are. I pray that, Lord, they will see that you are a magnificent promise keeper. I pray that you will bring it to pass, that you will, Lord, fulfill your word in their lives. For those who are looking for a promise, I pray that, Lord, you will open your word up. That, Lord, they will open their hearts, their minds, their eyes and ears to you. And they will hear it from you, Father. Lord, I pray that you would help us, that we will serve others better from a place of love, from a place of genuine compassion, from a place of empathy, Lord. With no motives, with no strings attached. 
we ask that you will look after us, help us and be with us. We repent of an awful faith. We repent of a faith of doubts, a faith that has expected nothing from you. And Lord, we ask that our faith will be transformed into one filled with awe, filled with expectation, a godly expectation. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Even as you head into this week, can I encourage you that you will start shifting that balance, that awful faith will become awe-filled faith, that you will look around you, even at the bad things that are happening and say, Lord, show me what you're doing here. And I can guarantee you this, you will find awe once again. Don't stop being awed by God. Have an amazing week. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed. To hear more messages like this, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you like what you are hearing, consider rating us, subscribing and even sharing it with friends. That would really help us. For more content from We Are Zion and to connect with us, go to wearezion.in. Remember, whoever finds Jesus finds life.